If I were a rich man. All day long, I biddy biddy bum. If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. If I were a biddy biddy rich, idle diddle 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 man, I'd build a Big tall house with the rooms by the dozen Right in the middle of the town A fine tin roof with the real wooden floors below There would be one long staircase just going up And one even longer coming down And one more leading nowhere just for show I'd fill my Yard with the chicks and turkeys and geese and ducks for the town to see and hear. Squawking just as noisily as they can. And each loud will land like a trumpet on the ear. As if to say, here lives a wealthy... How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 59 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your intrepid host, the titular Teehee Stacey. And joining me in the parlour this month, after several technical issues that made me want to do a punch of pretty much everybody I saw today, uh, it's the lovely guys from the Turtle Power Pod. We've got Bassam. Hi. And Cranny. Hello, thanks That's for having me. Granny. I just uh, did, <laughs> did the little song from your episodes. Sorry. Aw. Got excited. How's like it going? I like that people know our intro. The thing is, you do a weekly show, and so if you're going to listen to all of the episodes, there's like a thousand already. Uh, yeah. So you, you, <laughs> you, you get kind of used to that. Do you, do, before like we start waffling on in-joke style, do you want to tell people what Turtle Power Pod actually is, in case they've not heard it? Sure. Basically... We watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon from the 80s, and we watch them in order. And every time we watch an episode, we then go back uh, and we talk about it. We give it a breakdown. We go on a lot of wild tangents, and you should get pretty inappropriate with it. (laughs) Whatever pops into our stupid brains, we just kind of vomit out into the podcast. Yeah. I feel like I shouldn't be um, having you guys on and promoting that show because it's like technically the closest I come to having a rival podcast. But yeah, it's but it's also have, adorable. But you're you're oh, like thanks. Uh, oh, thanks. But you're a uh, pretty lady, and we're two gross idiots. <laughs> yeah, but nobody can tell that I'm a pretty lady when when I'm podcasting because this oh. accent doesn't lend itself to pretty ladyness. Is that a well, word? Well, in America, it does. Yeah, in America, uh, dudes love the accents. Yes, but mine's weird. See, this is the thing. I did. I recently did like a bit of an audio book and the character that i play has like a very proper very english accent don't you know what what and it felt so weird because i was like oh this is thoroughly too sexy to be coming out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) see i think it's the opposite you just need to like change your attitude about it i like my british women a little on the trashy side so so the non-proper accent is great (laughs) there's a line for me you you have not even like begin to dabble along the line so it's okay <laughs> i'm now tempted to to ask what the line is because i just want to hear terrible english accent impressions I don't he know does a I great do. terrible accent <laughs> well i so in high school i was algernon in the importance of being earnest okay i don't know what that is uh, you know importance it's, uh, of being earnest, right? yeah, it's just a british uh, stage play i'm the worst brit i'm sorry 
I don't. <laughs> I don't propose what to adds know to like charm. what. The, I don't even know like if people in all the accents in England none like, of the know about uh, the importance of being earnest. Yeah. We, we got so off topic like almost immediately none of this is about you guys and to be turtles. fair we weren't really off topic because i don't think we really had one yet yeah. <laughs> well i want to ask what made you guys start talking about the 80s car- turtles oh. cartoon like what tempted you guys to do that well me and cranston have known each other for a very long time and we a long time ago i was hanging out at his old place and we were sitting on his bed, and he was playing Castlevania, and we were just... Symphony of the Night. And we were just shitting around, and we could not stop laughing until, like, four in the morning. And, like, a year later, I was wanting to do something, like a Let's Play on YouTube or something, and I was like, you know who would be the best person in the world for this? Cranston would be the best person in the world. So I basically sent him a long email that was like, here's my idea, here's my pitch. And he was like, that is the best idea ever. <laughs> so, we- Well, on top of that, I was already thinking like, man, I bet with my equipment, I could probably do like a Let's Play or a Twitch or something. And then he just kind of happened to email me out of the blue. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, let's just do that. And uh, then it kind of mutated into into doing a podcast. And we picked something that we could really just talk about endlessly. We didn't want to focus too much on the show because we think that we have more chemistry when we're just shitting around. The video games <laughs> I know it sounds stupid if you're if you haven't tried it, but playing video games and being entertaining is really hard. <laughs> no, yeah. it really is because I spend most of my time when I'm playing video games just swearing relentlessly at the screen. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's me. That's funny sometimes, <laughs> but it's not. But really Basim's like trying to make jokes. I'm like, hang on, I just got to do this part. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just silence while I'm like doing this over and over again. He's like, I need failing. you to stop talking so I can concentrate. <laughs> he would just get, we would just get really upset at each other. So we were like, I get really that. like focused on the game. Yeah. And it wasn't as funny. <clears throat> and I basically told, came up to Basim, I'm like, dude, I think we need to try to figure out something else. I'm like, how would you feel about a podcast where, we just kind of shoot the shit and kind of see where it goes. Cause that's the stuff that makes us laugh anyway. Yeah. And then he immediately was like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I was like, sure. Cause I love the Ninja Turtles. I, I love the Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. So I was and, like, and I still love them. I still love them. <laughs> so, so it's rewatching different. it hasn't put you guys off because it is terrible. Like <laughs> it's pretty bad. The yeah. se- we actually in our last episode started talking about how bad season three is, and it's the longest season. Ugh. So we're it's just kind of trudging through it. Trudge, yeah. It's supposed to start getting better again. I, I keep actually, telling him, "Don't worry, stick with it. It's going to get better." I actually don't think I've watched anything past about series four, so I feel like I need to dive back in at some point, which will definitely happen because of podcasts in a half shell anyway. But like, yeah, yeah it's a weird show. Don't you think it, it gets weirdly misogynist at some point? <laughs> oh, all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> like, so much. It's, it's so bad, especially, like, just two episodes Blatantly. ago. yeah. We were taught, like, oh, there's a female ninja, and and uh, <laughs> and everyone's just calling her a bimbo, and there's no way she can be good, and blah, blah, and it's really bad. Mm. To be fair, and I touched up on this, too, even though everyone around her was saying that, which was very sexist, she was crazy empowered and a total badass. Well, we'll see when she comes back if they ruin so it. So at least, well, just to redeem her, like everyone around is written like a misogynist, but her character was actually very well, uh, well written. Yeah. 
Oh, well, that's good at least. I got really cross when I was reading some of the uh, Image Turtles comics because there's Lady Ninjas in that. But for some reason, they're Lady Ninjas who wear sort of like... It's almost like a cowl, like it's a mask, but the hair pops out of the top, which seems really impractical. And then bikinis, like actual just bikinis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, what? why are you even bothering to cover your face? This is so Fantasy armor. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, you can almost see directly up one's chuff at one point, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um anyway yes so turtles they're good aren't they well um i i, I hope okay, um that people choose to <laughs> i hope that people choose to go and listen to turtle power pod i will say though that um i mean i don't think it's a problem for people listening to this because i just said the word chuff but things do, <laughs> things do get inappropriate on turtle power pod like i've got to say um we don't cram- hold back <laughs> Cranny's Cranny's baby voice is something I often do at work to entertain a bloke. But I always yes. ask him really inappropriate things like, Daddy, Daddy, what's pre-cub? And then, <laughs> and then just wander off. Very inappropriate in the office, guys. I don't recommend you do that, but that's your fault, Cranny, I'm just saying. It is. <laughs> well, that's very flattering. Thank you, Stacey. <laughs> I just say things that I think are funny. I definitely, you know, exaggerate it for the show. I don't, I'm not usually that rude in real life. I love to um, think that that stuff just spills out of your mouth all the time, and you're just like, no, yeah, what's happening? Work, what yeah. am I even saying? <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find Turtle Power Pod if they do want to go and have a listen? Well, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on uh, any podcasting app, basically. You can just search Turtle Power Pod. Yeah, it's pretty easy to find us. So we're on. What's cool these days, like, if you get on one major thing, you, it kind of aggregates to everyone, so. Yeah. Jolly good. Well, shall we start talking about uh, things that aren't turtles? Because this isn't podcast in a half shell, guys. Or, <laughs> or turtle power pause. Um, All right. So I'm going to let you two fight between yourselves as to who gets to go first, talking about things, what they've seen and done and read and watched and whatnot. So I am going to just have a disclaimer right now. I spend a lot of my time just watching like Netflix, mm-hmm. and a lot of time I just end up rewatching stuff I've seen before. <laughs> Uh, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Like, I just rewatched all of, what is it, Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And I also just rewatched all of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, um, oh no, yes. before before you move on, I want to ask about that. Uh, what did you feel about the end of How I Met Your Mother? Can I spoil it? Yes, absolutely. I've already done like a massive rant about it on another episode. But oh, I, wa- okay. I want to know if if you feel right. the same way about the ending that I did, whether rewatching it affects the earlier episodes for you. Yeah. I think that that the last so the last season is all about him finding really finding like their kids his kids mom's mm-hmm. mom and it turns out that he finds her like in the last episode and then there's 5 to 10 minutes of him like going through their life story together how they have kids how whatever and then she ends up getting cancer and dying um and then he's like lives alone so the the whole pretense of telling their kid his kids how I Met Your Mother is because they probably never knew their mom, which I think was very sweet and kind of explains why those kids have been sitting around for so damn long. Uh, <laughs> and and I got I got emotional when, you know, it's like his wife dies and now he's basically asking the kids for permission to go date someone again. Like, that's kind of a big deal. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was very sweet. It was rushed. I wish that the whole... Maybe the last half of the last season, second half of the last season, was all about why they were so good together. But the whole show has been leading up to him marrying Robin, his friend Robin. 
So it kind of makes sense that they didn't spend too much time on her. That being said, it's it, it kind of felt like a little bit of a cop-out, but knowing that they had that planned for so long, it kind of made up for it. I really, I liked it. it. It was very emotional, and I liked it. Oh, you felt like entirely the opposite to the way that I felt about it. <laughs> to a lot of people, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it's um, more for me because I really, by the end of the previous season i'd really started to dislike robin because she was messing people around and treating barney like shit and being a massive dick to patrice for no actual reason um because patrice was adorable and i will have nobody say anything bad about her because she's so sweet she's great and it yeah it made me really cross because i was like how is it possible that we've been building up to this like amazing reveal and then we've gone yeah but fuck it because robin why not um and i don't think she deserved a ted because she's a yeah. cow. <laughs> oh. It just made I, me really cross. Now, what if... Now, here's this. What if they got rid of... What if they had... The show only ran for five seasons. Mm-hmm. So, you get the first four seasons, and then season... Like, the last season, where they're at the wedding. I feel like the reason you don't like Robin... The reason you don't like the ending as much is because it's too much Robin. Mm-hmm. So, if we had shortened it, they wouldn't have had to make up these stories where... She's a bitch all of a sudden and all that stuff. Yeah, I um, I think the turning point for me with Robin, and I can't remember what series it was, was the one where Barney broke up with that bird that he was seeing so that he and Robin could start dating. But then uh, Robin Nora. didn't break up with her boyfriend because she was the like, Lebanese eh? Girl. Yeah, that's the one. And, uh, and that made me really cross because I was like, why are you being such a ginormous titbag? Like, Barney's wonderful. And just stop being a, a plonker. And then it... I think it also really annoyed me that the final season was all about Robin and Barney, who were the two, like, never going to get married of the group, having this, like, wonderful relationship and getting married. And then it all failed at the end, and it was really grim for them. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very rushed with Robin and, and Barney. Yeah. Like I said, I, I like the turn. I wish there was less stuff before that happened, but I generally like the ending. Mm. Can I ask you two a question? Yes. So, I, I mean, it's your show. You too. <laughs> Ugh, this guy, right? So, I have not seen a lot of How I Met Your Mother, but uh, I did do a lot of research into the controversy about the ending. And from what I could figure out, the writer had actually said, you know, this is how we plan to end it the whole time. Well, yeah. So, well, okay. So, my question is yeah. specifically, if that is the case, do you think that it was the buildup that was shit? Uh, or do you think that that choice of ending the whole time was shit? I think the ending was good. I think the buildup was was too prolonged mm-hmm. to make it as meaningful. Yeah, they um, kept getting these extra seasons and having to like really pad things out and stretch yeah. things along. And it just didn't, it just did a real disservice to the characters. Because by the end of that last season as well, like Robin's barely around anymore because she sort of cut herself off from everyone so you're like why is everybody still fucking obsessed with her well she's not even here and it just made me a bit cross the thing that i'm interested in is because i haven't watched any how i met your mother since the finale happened because i was too cross about it (laughs) because i'm not irrational at all did it sort of could you tell from the start that that's what they were setting up or does it seem like they just like were winging it entirely no because because I mean, so the the arguments made that they recorded the scene before because the kids stopped being in the TV show for a while, mm. and they started reusing footage. And at the in the last episode, they say the words you know that that are they pre-recorded it like five years ago. 
um, the ending because the kids were just growing up. It was nine years later, you know. So they they definitely pre-recorded and had that ending planned, or maybe they had multiple endings planned and they recorded a bunch of stuff. I don't know, but watching it a second time, it didn't bother me as much. What bothered me more was Barney and Robin's relationship, knowing that it was going to end because I actually really liked their relationship. Because yeah, me too. They were two fun people who were okay with not being a perfect couple, mm-hmm. and uh, and I feel like every time. In that show, there's like something that's like, oh, this is a pretty good relationship. They fixate on the fact that, no, it's definitely not your mother, so it's definitely going to end terribly. And, <laughs> and they, it's weird. Mm. Uh, I, think, I think that part is too forced. So to touch on that and kind of my question then. So exactly like what Stacy was saying, it's like you sometimes wonder like what's going on in the writer's head. So maybe it sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong or right here. You get like this general story arc idea. You're like, okay, this is how the show's going to end. Here's how it starts. Do you think maybe the problem is that they just jammed too many, like, like they just milked too many episodes in between? Yes. Like yeah. they needed all these little side stories because they didn't want their cash cow to disappear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think and that it- makes me wonder if it's even the writer's fault or maybe it's a production thing. They're like, nah, we got to get more of them than how I met your mother dollars. Yeah, I think I think their biggest problem is not knowing at the start of each season whether they were going to have a next one. So it always seemed like they were coming up to having a resolution, and then it was like, shit, we've got another series. Fuck that one off. Somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, um, and there was a break for a while, wasn't there? For like a year yeah. where they didn't have a new season for like two years. Did that happen during the writers' strike? Yes, yes. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then after they came back, they just had like five more seasons to do. And I think the last season as well really dropped the ball with uh, writing in general because like it, it was a really weird setup in the sense that for some reason they decided to focus the entire like 22 episodes over like a 48-hour period. Yeah. And so they were really having to like spice up what was going on in this period of time. And like, I mean, I don't know about you, but they had one episode where it was following Marshall trying to get various forms of public transport to get to the wedding, and it was done entirely in rhyme, and it was one of the most irritating things I've ever watched. And I was like, thank fuck, this is the final season? Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad. But yeah, I feel like I should go back to it at some point, though, and just see if my intense hatred for Robin dissipates at all or if it just gets worse because the whole time I'm going to know. Because I I feel really bad for the mother as well because she's a great actress. I've forgotten her name, which is terrible, but she's great. She's in two episodes. I don't blame you. (laughs) No, she's been in other things, other important things, but I've completely blanked on who she is. No, she is good. But, I mean, they don't build her up enough. She's too... She's, like, on a pedestal, and Robin's, like, a real human with real... She's a real bitch, like, and she never pretends not to be a bitch, you know? She She's, like, raised as a boy by her weird dad in, in like, the wilderness of Canada, and then she comes down to New York where she has to make it as a news reporter. Of course she's a bitch. It just- reminds me of Final Fantasy VII. It's the whole Tifa versus Aerith thing all over again. That means oh, yeah. to me. What? There are two girls in the se- in the game who and everyone, both could be the love interest. But one's one's a total psycho crazy bitch. <laughs> One is perfectly amazing, like the best character ever. Literally a flower girl. Final Fantasy VII came out so long. I think we can spoil it. Yeah. The the good love interest dies basically, and like it, it's one of the first like giant like bombshells uh, from I think a video game. I think that's one of the reasons why Final Fantasy VII is such a classic. 
Is that the one that I always see in those like top ten most heartbreaking moments in video games, where like Probably. some dude with a giant sword comes from above and just yep. like skewers a bitch? Yeah, Absolutely. that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's her. Yeah. See, I've never played the game, but I'm like, oh, I know that one. Yeah. Speaking of Neil Patrick Harris, I've also been watching uh, a series of unfortunate events. Have you Have you seen that yet on Netflix or uh, started watching it? No, you're going to have to sell me on it because I've never read okay. the books or seen any of the other films or TV show versions, but I do love me some Neil Patrick Harris, so, you know. Can I try to sell her a little bit? Go ahead. Have you Be- seen it? I, I've seen the first episode. Okay. And I've seen the first. I watched four. part of the movie and hated it. Yep. Um, I have not read the books, and I thought it was like, what is this, like, kids' crap? So after watching the first episode, first of all, it's way darker than I ever expected it to be. And the whole show is basically narrated by Lemony Snicket. Mm-hmm. Um, and as things move on, he kind of intertwines himself more directly with the story, which I didn't know that happened. And basically, he's like, it's like he is almost like a historian. Like he's trying to figure out exactly what happened in this weird story that he only has like the pieces and fragments of. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> and and uh, on on top of that, it's yeah, like you're saying, it's very dark. It's tongue in cheek though. Like they re- yeah. they realize how silly it is. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't help but laugh at all this terrible dark shit that's happening. And the entire time, characters in the show, especially in Lemony Snicket, is trying to get you to stop watching the show because he 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 says it's it's only going to make you sad, depressed. Everyone here is going to die. Like things like that. <laughs> Where oh, it, yeah, but it's very like he said, it's tongue in cheek. So it's also very funny at the same time, but in a weird way where you don't know quite how to laugh or when to laugh. But um, I, I'm a little, I'm further than you, and I have read the books, and I loved the books when I was little, and this is a very, very accurate representation of it. It's very well adapted for the screen, for sure. One thing I noticed. Growing up, I didn't read any Lemony Snicket, but I was obsessed with Raul Dahl. I think I've read Boy, like, geez, 50 times. I'm not even exaggerating. If you like Raul Dahl, this is like a slightly darker version of Raul Dahl. Like, it reminds me of Matilda, where, like, all of the fucking adults are terrible assholes. They don't understand (laughs) the kids at all. The kids are the only reasonable people in the entire show, except for this one figure who seems like to be a nice person. And you're like, oh, why can't they just be with her? But it's really like, I don't know, dark and whimsical. Dark and whimsical. Very, very accurate. Yeah. Raul Dahl. If you like Raul Dahl, you should check it out. I bloody love me some Raul Dahl. So oh, yeah. I, you, you may have actually sold me on that. Because that, you, you were losing me a little bit at the start when you said it was like slightly depressing. Because um, I'm in a mood, right? <laughs> I'm not going pre- to pretend that the world at large isn't shit and that I'm not in a mood. Because I absolutely am and I have been for months. So I've been trying to watch a lot of like upbeat stuff. And I made the mistake of going to see A Monster Calls at the cinema the other day. Those trailers are inaccurate, guys. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen either the trailers or the movie. No. Well, the trailers look like this whimsical story of this boy who befriends a tree monster voiced by Liam Neeson. And you're like, oh, I love Good Liam start. Neeson and trees. You know, that's going to be fine. Uh, no, it's a film about a kid trying to deal with anger issues around the fact that his dad has moved away to America and his mom is dying of cancer. <laughs> it's like you do. a fucking emotional nightmare. Came out of the cinema like 
bawling like a big massive girl's blouse and I just like I just anything I want to watch now I either want it to be if it's depressing it really needs to pick up at the end I came home and ended up watching like three episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia just to (laughs) cheat myself up (laughs) because I was like I'm not having this I'm not going to go to bed and think of like what it would be like if my mum died Uh, (laughs) yeah awful um what was i saying lemony snicket yes so you've sold me a bit more now on the Roald Dahl comparison because i was scared that i was just gonna go oh is this just gonna make me have a cry so that's (laughs) awful the story itself is (laughs) depressing but the way it's presented is so over the top that it really is more of a comedy than anything absolutely and And there's musical numbers in it there's very little, actually. The first episode, I know what you're There's talking a about. There's number. a musical number. That's and super funny. It's, it it's is. weird. So the Jim Carrey movie, which was not very good at all, took the first three books and combined them into one movie, which right. we all saw coming that it was not going to be great. Um, and didn't they even... they Didn't they omit Lemony Snicket from the actual movie? Well, yeah. They just stopped... They just stopped with the narration part of it. Yeah. Which, yeah. in my opinion, is one of the best parts. It adds a lot to the show. Now, in the show, they eat, make each book two episodes. Oh. So each book is two hours, essentially, of, of screen time. So it really, they're really able to get in there. And every episode has a new theme song about how terrible everything is. <laughs> so it's pretty great. I recommend it. That's, um, that's all I'm going to say about that. How's his face? Because. <laughs> Um, I have a thing about about bad looking prosthetics and 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 CGI and stuff like that. And he's got a lot of extra bits on his face. Is it acceptable? The whole show is stylized, so it's it's almost like Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. So where his prosthetics are weird, everything's weird. The whole set is weird. All the perspectives are slightly off. Um, Everything's just a little bit weird. So everything fits in really well, actually. It's not like everyone is just a normal person and then Count Olaf like has all this weird <laughs> shit on his face. Yeah, no, everyone's strange. And uh, either strange hair or strange clothing. It almost has like a Wes Anderson uh, Absolutely it like, does. vibe to it. Like the colors are super bright. But also very gray. Yeah, but then their other colors are very muted at the same time. Yeah, very Wes Anderson feel. And, and, um, and Count Olaf himself, Neil Patrick Harris looks good as Count Olaf, but then Count Olaf himself wears ridiculous disguises on purpose because they're supposed to be silly. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris is probably the best thing about that show so far. Yes. My humble opinion. The stuff that comes out of his mouth is so hilariously inappropriate. Yes. If you like Turtle Power Pod, you'll probably like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it's I'm just like decide. suddenly dark, mm-hmm. but he says it so like offhandedly. It takes you to sit. You're like, what did he say? And then you realize and then you laugh uncomfortably. Kids with murdered parents <laughs> say what? Okay, I might give that a whirl then, because um, I'm on the I'm on the prowl for new TV shows at the moment, because I've given up on too many of the superhero ones. I'm just sorry, I was just pausing there for the internet to you know the backlash because I said I didn't like a superhero Ooh. thing. Oh, well, a lot of them are. There are some better ones out there now, but for mm. the longest time, it was just repetitive drolling shit. Um, <laughs> I. Definitely lost faith in superhero movies and video games. Did you kind of have like a idea of what we'd kind of segue into, or is this kind of open? No, because... it's it's general waffle. Just go wherever okay. you want. <laughs> waffle um, about mate. So penises. No wait, what? <laughs> you were saying you were kind of <laughs> down uh, right now, and I'm mm-hmm. first of all sorry to hear that. Have you ever seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof? No. Okay. 
that still when I'm feeling like super sad and down is my go-to piece of literature. Mm -hmm. It is so incredibly powerful. The first half is like super happy. You're like figuring out what's going on with this little, it's basically this little Jewish town in Russia and Hitler's basically coming through and not so keen on the Jewish townships. So, like you do, there's like this little murmur of change happening, but they don't need to worry about it. Change, you know, never happens to their town. They've been doing the same thing traditionally since as long as they can remember. And then shit starts to go down and then the movie gets really sad. But then the end, I always cry, not because of how sad it is, but like how almost proud I am. Joyful. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, not joyful. It's the message is really like change is inevitable, but no matter what happens, life goes on. So I I don't know. I think it's worth a watch. I've mm -hmm. I've dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression in my life, and that, oh, that's it's kind great of in the one movie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's my favorite. So much thing. fun. So much fun. <laughs> I love it. I, if anything, I just want a bit more. No, I'm joking. Universe, don't do anything drastic. Now I I could do with more recommendations of stuff that is nice and fluffy um <laughs> just just because like i mean for example i watched um it's a wonderful life over christmas and oh, every, yeah. <laughs> every well every other time i've watched that movie before i've always come out feeling like oh what a lovely ending isn't that lovely and sweet and uplifting uh, but this yeah. time i watched it and i was like what's gonna happen though with his business and his house and his kids and that like <laughs> i think <laughs> is it i think uplifting? the hope Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, go for it. I think the message that resonates for me in It's a Wonderful Life, another one of those movies where like, I always cry at the end, mm. not because of how sad it is, but because of how hopeful it becomes. I think the cool thing about that movie is the point is it doesn't matter what happens to the business and loan. What's important is that he still has friends and family that love him and he loves them back. And that's like the true meaning of life, I think. And Christmas. I mean, Christmas, it happens during <laughs> Christmas time because that's when all that drama and family stuff kind of hits you right in the face. But I, maybe I'm just putting my own spin on it because that's what I want it to be. But I actually see it more as a, a movie about, uh, yeah, hope than uh, Christmas. But th to be fair, that's a good spin to put on it because Christmas can be depressing in and of itself. Oh, I, or, yeah. or at least yeah. incredibly stressful. Yeah. Absolutely. See, when I'm when I'm down, I like movies that kind of take me down real low and then like bring me back out. Like I want that range of feelings. It's like a reset. Like if I watch a movie that's like too happy and fluffy, I just like I'm spiteful about it the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, you little fuck all of you shits, and you think you're so great. You don't even know what you're talking about. I did watch a documentary recently that. I think I I cried three or four times during. Oh wow! He's a crier. This one. I don't cry during sad parts. Kind of like I said, I cry during parts that are either like really proud or like just genuine human emotion. Yeah. Basically, the documentary is on Netflix, at least here in the states, and it's called Stevie, mm -hmm. and it's this guy who had just a terrible, shitty upbringing and. Because of that, he kind of gets in all these situations with uh, crime. And the sickest part is he ends up sexually assaulting a younger person. And Named Stacy. basically, <laughs> he doesn't really know what he's doing. 
But for me, he was actually kind of the side story. The part that I like so much is the this film documentary. It's a real documentary. He goes and he talks to like his mother and the woman of the the child that got uh, assaulted and like his first foster parent. He was a, uh, a minister. And those are the stories that are like so touching to me. You know what? Don't watch that. It's not fluffy at <laughs> yeah, all. No, yeah. <laughs> but it's really Sounds, good. Yeah. So maybe when you're feeling a just little rewatch better. Parks and Rec. If you just if you're feeling down and you're like, I just need to get a cry out, but I can't get there, just check it out. Okay. Actually that might be helpful because I do love a good cry. Yeah. I just don't love love a good cry when I'm actually at the cinema. So I'm like, oh no, is everybody looking at me? I'm like, well, of course not. People are watching Makeup's the film. All but still. Well, I know I get sniffing. I don't I don't wear makeup. We've already discussed this. I'm too lazy. No, I, I have more of a sort of nasal issue with crying in that I'm one of the sort of like <laughs> criers, which yeah. is not. Nobody wants to sit next to that in the cinema. Well, if everyone's crying, then you're fine. That's true. Everybody wasn't crying, though, at some parts. Some parts were just me being weird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, you can only t- like relate to it compared to like your own life. Uh, I think that's kind of the cool thing about art in general. It's like you can make a movie about like werewolves in London and it could be really good, but everyone's going to have a different interpretation. It's like once you make the movie, it's really like not even yours anymore because when you watch it, you get to put whatever take you want on it. I think that's kind of the fun part. So if you're crying at parts that you find relatable, but I don't find relatable. Like for me, it's like if I watch Old Yeller, like I don't cry when the dog dies. Spoilers. Because it's a stupid <laughs> animal. Well, oh, dear. That's Bassam's words, not mine. Someone's cross. <laughs> it's still sad. I don't want him to die. Yeah, yeah. Bassam wants him to die. I don't want him to die, but when he's got to die, he's got to die. And, you know, if you're a little hungry. Yeah, especially if you're hungry. <laughs> you know, good old days. The salt from your tears helps preserve the meat. But, like, during uh, October Sky, one of my favorite movies, I always cry. Have you seen it, Stacey? No, um, this is a game that a lot of my guests get to play, which is the, has Stacey seen this movie game? At Nine times <laughs> out of ten, the answer's no. Well, I love it. no judgments for October Sky, because I don't feel like it's super mainstream. But that one you'd probably really like, because the ending is really sweet. Okay, um, good. And <laughs> even though you go through the lows and highs. But there's a scene where, well, let me let me set up the whole movie. Homer Hickam is a guy who lives in this coal mining town in the middle of bumfuck nowhere America. And this is like... Oh, you've told me about this. This is pre-internet. Like, there's no hope to get out. It's like, oh, you want to be a coal miner or you want to play football? But it's not a football movie. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it's a coal mining movie. It's, so his dad is like, Homer, you just got to work with me in the mine. And he's a crotchety son of a bitch. And he's very, like, grassroots American. Like, you got to do what's right. And that's work in the mind. And, you know, he, he does the kind of like, I Think don't your want mother. your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's hope in the mind. And, like, he's the foreman. And he's like, I'll teach you up good. But Homer keeps rejecting him. So they kind of have, they're in this back and forth the whole time. Homer is incredibly smart. And his passion is building rockets. He wants to be an actual rocket engineer, a rocket scientist. So... He basically just takes on himself to start reading these books, and he works with a science teacher. He meets up with this huge nerd um, that everyone, like, just bullies all the time. So he, like, reduces his social standing to, like, meet up with him just so he can teach him about, like, nozzles and fuel and stuff. And the other guy that helps him is kind of this 
has a really abusive family, alcoholic dad. They live out in like a shack, like the the stereotypical like wife beater. It, it cut. It cuts. No, it cuts to uh outside the house and like you hear like yelling and he's like running out of the house and the dad like throws like a whiskey bottle. He's like, "Don't come back!" Yeah, <laughs> like one of those like classics. But there's a part where Very uplifting. So that's just kind of a little bit of setup. That was probably a little too long winded. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> thanks. No. Again, it's not my show. She, <laughs> she can shut you up when she wants. Here's the scene. Homer Hickam is in the car with his dad. Uh, his dad is picking him up because they launch a rocket and basically these people think it's a bomb. There's a lot of Red Scare going on right now because this is right when the Russians launched uh, Sputnik. The Ruskies. So he's getting chewed out and reamed by his dad. His dad's telling him, like, no more rockets, no more of this horse shit. To starting tomorrow, you're coming with me in the mine. We're taking you out of school. I'm not doing this anymore. And in the middle of this huge, like, chewing out while Homer's sitting there feeling bad about himself, we see that the other kid, the one with the alcoholic father, the father basically takes him out of the police station and starts roughing him up, being like, you son of a bitch, like, you're a, a failure, you're making me uh, uh, embarrassed about my family. Looks like he's already... Uh, give him like a black eye in the middle of homer's dad's rant homer's dad goes wait here gets up slams the door storms over to the guy and like grabs the alcoholic father and goes if you ever lay a hand on your this kid again you're fucking dead I, basically and that's the part that always gets me because it's like even though he's this hard ass all he wants is what's best for these kids and it suddenly like turns him into this like real person instead of this like uh, uh, villain. So if you want a real cry again, there you go. <laughs> well, I had a good cry It sounds like recently. a good movie. It's a like, really it good just, movie. It sounds like a really good movie. I had a good cry quite recently, a movie I wasn't expecting to cry at. Have either of just you guys seen... Just listening to us too. <laughs> I'm crying right now. No, um... <laughs> Brandy wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> Why are they so terrible? What? Um, <laughs> have either of you guys seen Train to Busan? Nope. No. Okay, good. Because I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but the reason why I wasn't expecting to have a cry at this movie is because it's a Korean zombie movie <laughs> set entirely on a train. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds up my alley. Well, it's absolutely fucking amazing. Um, I mean, for a start, it's just... Um, I'm kind of getting bored of zombie stuff. Uh, there's so much of it out there at the moment that it's... You know, there's there's a lot of crap ones knocking around. I mean, like, yeah. I still get inordinately cross about how popular The Walking Dead is because it's shit. I agree, and- for the record. <laughs> Walking Dead is garbage. It's so shit. And I, the, the thing is, the comic's still shit, but I still read it. It's like I'm 160 issues deep. I can't just stop. But it's yeah. so good. Ca- like, every time stop. I read it. You could cut your losses. She's already invested so much time yeah, and money. See, so so I don't waste thinking, more of your time. I keep thinking it's got to end soon, right? And I'll be really cross <laughs> if I give up now and it ends at like issue 200. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, fucking hell, now I've got to read all of those other 40 issues. But Train to Busan's really good because it's uh, it's really inventive for a zombie movie. There's a lot of things that happen in it that you would not expect at all. But one of my favourite things about it is the way that the zombies move. Because I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be a, an actual zombie outbreak so much as like an illness that causes just like rabid uh, violence. Okay. Um, PCP zombies. Yeah, yeah. But they all move in this like... You know the film The Grudge and that bird like twitches down the stairs and it's terrifying? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like that, but running at you really fast. <laughs> like awful. it is nightmare fuel. <laughs> um, <laughs> but amazing nightmare fuel. But there was a scene in that where like a combination of what was happening on screen and, and a particular character's reaction to it and this like like just gorgeous crescendo of like beautiful music. And I had to have a look at my hubby just to make sure he looked really sad too, because I was like, I can't be crying at a Korean zombie movie. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no, it's cool. We're all sad. Okay, good. <laughs> it's really good, though. Those are good movies. If a yeah. movie gives you, like, pause or, like, emotional clarity, if you can feel an emotion while watching a movie, then it's mm. probably at least a good movie. I've always said that, like, one of my favourite things is when something does something unexpected. So, like, um, for example, with something like Scrubs, I loved that show because it consistently made me laugh, but then occasionally punched me in the dick with something really horrible, like the Brendan Fraser episodes. Everyone, where everyone like, loves that episode. Or hates <sighs> it. Yeah, or the cold shower. And you're just like, this This show consistently makes you laugh, but then when it does emotional stuff, it's like an extra hard heart punch yeah yeah it's very well written especially the earlier mm. seasons or series as you call them series is, 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 is. i think series is, is. Term. have series you seen is, the movie wreck rec like uh record oh no but i really well i say no i sort of have and i sort of haven't in that it was on at the background of a halloween party i was at once but i wasn't paying any attention to the subtitles so i haven't got a fucking clue what was happening <laughs> if you don't speak spanish you have to use the subtitles <laughs> yeah so you yeah, can't really it's not, not a really a good background movie no um, it looked really good though <laughs> n- yeah it is it's probably the best zombie movie i've ever seen and Ooh. the only zombie movie i've ever seen that actually freaked me out, like scared me. Really? Yeah. Why is Ooh. that? So it's it's shot like a documentary, and it doesn't start like a zombie movie. When I watched it, I didn't even know it was a zombie movie. I just knew it was a, a scary movie. Okay. So it starts off with this uh, news reporter, and she's just investigating. Uh, she's doing like a, a shitty like piece for the news where she in, uh, interviews firefighters, and it's so stupid. It's just like. Like, oh, look how strong we are. And she's like, oh, yeah, I bet you could lift me up. And they're like, ha, 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 yeah, I bet we could. It's like, wow, this is this is great. Okay. But then a call goes out, and she's like, oh, great, I get to follow you on your call. And they're like, yeah, let's go. And they get to this building, and they're like, oh, where's the fire? There is no fire. They're like, so why the fuck are we here? And then all of a sudden, the Spanish version of like the CDC comes out and quarantines the building and goes, there's an outbreak in there, and you guys cannot leave. And if you do, you're fucking dead. So basically, there's a zombie outbreak in this one like apartment complex. And what unfolds is the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It's really good. I think that's going to have to go on this year's Halloween watching because um, I don't know if you, if you guys uh, listen to uh, The Parlour, but my hubby last year did a new movie a day challenge. So basically, he wanted to watch 366 movies last year that he'd never seen before. Wow. Um, that made for a lot of shit movies. Yeah, like we I'll saw bet. a lot of shit last year. And for some reason, throughout Halloween, we like well, throughout like October, we thought we'll do scary movies this this month and like oh gosh did we watch some shite and yeah. then like now i'm thinking why didn't we watch wreck that would have been everyone loves that that's <laughs> well you can watch it this year 
Yeah. They, they, I think it'll be better us watching it this year because we won't be so jaded by, you know, because it got to a point in October as well where it was like a physical slog for us to watch films because we were like, oh, God, I've got to watch another film today. Otherwise, I'm three behind and then I've got uh-huh. to watch six this weekend. Uh, and it got to a point where we kind of wished films didn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> but Rich yeah, started there are only the year and I really. Movies, we wouldn't have to do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah. I think he started off on a bad foot because I think the first movie he watched last year was Entourage. Seems oh, like yeah. a mistake. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen the show, so I was just like, well, I'm going to have a bath and leave you to it and came back downstairs. And he was like, yep, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try again tomorrow. <laughs> Great start. Uh, I don't know what movie he finished on either, but I think he hated that too. So, you know, good, good bookend. It's a rough year, man. Good bookend to the year, yeah. <laughs> The thing is, I don't think there's any... I'm trying to think if there's any horror movies that have like legit scared me. I remember Nightmare on Elm Street scaring me, but only because I watched it when I was about 11, and that was definitely too young because I'm a wuss. I'm not good with horror movies. I don't like jump scares, and I don't really care that much for horror movies because it's... I don't know. But I watched The Others in theater, and it's a little old now. I think it was maybe 2002 that it came out. But it's I really enjoyed it actually for for being a a movie genre that I don't like. I really enjoyed that movie. I think for me, I want to be scared, but it's really hard for me. I'm extremely like grounded and too, stoic. I wouldn't say stoic, but very literal. So it's hard for me to find a movie where I'm like, oh, that's stupid. So horror <laughs> movies with like jump scares, I would say never work on me. What scare me, I would say, are terror movies. Terror is like that that dread movie, more of like the suspense stuff. That being said, the movie that gave me the most terror is a movie called Deer Hunter. Came out in the 70s, has uh, Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, that guy from Godfather that was in all those movies. Marlon Brando? No, the guy that uh, he kissed and then he he was the, the tragic guy. Oh shit! I the, can't remember the fuck that. up guy. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he goes, "I know what you did," and that that was him, the guy that did the thing, <laughs> the guy who did it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not not branded as a scary movie or a terror movie, but it's terrifying. Speaking of things that aren't branded <laughs> the way that they should be branded, I watched Hateful Eight last night, and uh, what's that? I said, "Oh, well done." I Thanks. couldn't get through it. I watched about five minutes, and I was like, "Ugh." <laughs> Yeah, you need to stopped. give it a solid Slow forty minutes before start. before it. Oh, before it it's really no, out. it's so boring, mate. <laughs> it it gets better, but you're right; it starts very boring. It starts very slow for sure. But Cranston wanted to talk about it today. Well, Bassam said, "Hey, we're gonna do Stacy's parlor like in two days." I'm like, "Okay, that came up quick." And then he's like, um, <laughs> "It's like, do you have pop culture things to talk about?" And he just kind of sprung that. And of course, there's a million things I can talk about. But when you just say talk about pop culture, I basically went, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) And I went, well, I could talk about how Hateful Eight to me was like a stage play. And he's like, sure. Sure, why not? So So let's all watch Chris and jerk himself. I'd be happy to ramble about Hateful Eight, but uh, (laughs) I feel like I've been talking a lot already. So if you'd rather. What do you want to talk about, Stacey? Um, I haven't actually got that much on my list of things to talk about because I've been a terrible nerd for the past few days uh, in in the sense that I've been tired. And I had a surgery on my back like two weeks ago. That's right. Which makes 
it makes for difficult sleepy times. You are uh, right, and though. so uh, yeah, yeah, it was um it was just assist, like but it's right in between my shoulder blades, which is making like bending Ouch. and getting dressed and doing my hair and basically any wild, kind of yeah. movements <laughs> really complicated and annoying. Yeah. Um so I've just yeah, I've I've done so little in the way of sleeping. I tried to read a comic the other day and got 15 pages in before I realized I hadn't really registered anything ah. that I'd read. <laughs> So I'm kind of relying on you guys to talk a lot because the only thing I really wanted to talk about, I can't talk about because you pair haven't seen it and I really need to spoil it. Uh, Bojack Horseman. It's like the very end of series three. There's like a whole thing that I really want to talk about, but I absolutely can't if you haven't seen it and you plan to. I'm still still watching it. Yeah, I'm not finished with season two quite yet. I finished season two. I haven't started season three. <clears throat> well, I think I might end up just recording a separate bit by myself to put at the end of the episode. Because you cause need to talk about it. All right. Yeah, well, then, no, there's here. there's like a whole thing, and it's like a big deal with capital letters, and I have to I have to talk about it. But I well, can't, then yeah. Well, then I'm let's ruin your day. Let's do some reaction sounds, and then you can just <laughs> pretend that we're having a conversation. So here's a few. Go. Here's a few clean ones. Oh, really? That's interesting. Gasp! No way. That does sound really good. I can't believe it. That's in my wheelhouse. Why would you spoil this for me, Stacy? I'm going to give that a watch. A horse who talks? This is <laughs> there stupid. You go. So, you you recommend giving it a watch then? You you like the ending? Oh god, absolutely. Um okay. the the thing for me was I'd been Show's badgered heavy. by Yeah, I'd been badgered by a lot of people to watch it and I was kind of putting it off. Mostly because me and Rich have got like a bazillion, jillion things on our to-watch list anyway, uh, including all the good movies we forgot to watch last year. Um, (laughs) So we'd sort of put it off, but over Christmas we both had like, obviously, a bit of time off work and stuff. So we thought, ah, why not give it a go? And um, neither of us were sold from the first couple of episodes. Like, it was funny, but it wasn't, like, so funny I absolutely have to go back and watch the rest and, you know, like, not like how I got addicted to Rick and Morty, like, instantly. It's not laugh out loud like Rick and Morty. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, Mr. Peanut Butter gets a few laughs out of me quite a lot, but but it's sort of towards the end of series one and then most of series two, I was like, no, I'm sold. This is is fucking amazing. And it just gets... I think it gets even better because it does... It does what Rick and Morty started doing in series two as well, in the sense that there's um, it starts to focus a bit more on the characters themselves and their relationships with each other and, and their feelings and thoughts around stuff rather than just like, here's some kooky things that happen. Oh, you two are adorable. I wish my listeners could see you being adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to take um, away from you. I just needed to put my hand somewhere and his hand was he there. He did a weird hand gesture. I didn't know if that was directed at me or you. I thought you were looking for the word arc, like they started doing an arc, like oh. character arc. So I made an arc motion. Oh, um, okay. could also do that this, like sense. the arc was, was on a boat. <laughs> Stop tapping my this is, face. This is such good stuff for an audio medium. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but series three just sort of like knocks it into 12th gear. And um, yeah, I, right. I am going to put a separate bit at the end where I go bananas because there was a Wait. thing. And it okay. Was amazing. Make sure to use my voice clips. I'm super excited to finish watching it then. Oh, good. Good, good. I mean, the thing, I don't know how much I can say without spoiling it, but the thing that was a big deal for me probably wasn't the thing that was supposed to be a big deal. Mm. <laughs> right. uh, but it's just, it's very relevant to me and kind of important to me. So I was like, oh, holy shit, and like fell out of my chair. Well, I, I didn't literally fall out of my chair. 
Okay, do that. I want everybody to talk to me about BoJack Horseman because it's my new <laughs> favorite thing. Everyone, I'm please like, tweet at Stacy's Parlor about and then what like, your thoughts are on BoJack Horseman. Like CC and Will Arnett, and then uh, you know maybe he'll give me a sexy voice in the show or something. Ooh, that's how that works, isn't it? Yeah, I guess sometimes. <laughs> I mean, if you're lucky, you've got a microphone. That's a good start. Yeah. That's true. That is true. I did try to start a Twitter campaign to get me in the next Deadpool movie with the hashtag chimichangas for Stace, but it never took <laughs> off. <laughs> it turned into some weird pseudo porn hashtag. What? Oh, no. What? <laughs> First of all, what's pseudo porn? I don't know. Like, where's the distinction between real porn and pseudo porn? Uh, when the penis goes in the vagina. I don't, I don't think you're using the right words, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I just said vagina were the right words. I don't think the pseudo was very is phallic. The, I was just going to say, is the chimichanga the penis? That's I what don't. I'm saying. <laughs> That's a great thing about a chimichanga. It could really go both ways. And it does. It could be gynec or phallic. Because it's warm. And this isn't where I thought this episode would go. <laughs> Come on, be honest. Don't lie to us. You told me you didn't have a plan. Yeah. But to you be said, fair, I actually thought we'd it. be in completely dirty territory well before an hour in. So well done, oh. guys. <laughs> We've been trying to tone it back for when we're on other shows. No, that's what. Have you heard my show before? It's absolutely yeah. fine. No, I love it's it. Absolutely but, fine. But like recently, more recently, we were on It's a Duck Blur, and um, I forget what happened, but we were very, very good. And then Cranny said something, and then Michael goes, There it is. <laughs> like he was just <laughs> waiting for something to come out. So I, we've um, been trying to be good, or I have anyway. I have the same thing where. where Nearly every other show that I've guested on, I've ended up saying the word vagina almost immediately. And now it's become like a thing. Like every time I'm on the show, people are like, hey, so got any vagina gossip today? And I'm like, oh. Gossip? <laughs> vagina gossip. Yeah, that's yeah. my new podcast. Um, <laughs> that would be the worst. That would be the absolute Tell me rumors worst. about the vagina. Rumors. <laughs> um, oh, damn it. See, no, I'm not good at improv. Uh, it heals blindness? Huh? <laughs> the vagina heals blindness. Cures blindness. Oh. Heals blindness. <laughs> Shut up! What if <laughs> That's you got what it from threw an me. You, I was like, what's what, happening? <laughs> what if you became blind through some kind of an accident? What, so you just rub a vagina on your face and sort it? Yeah! <laughs> it does have re- regenerative properties. Yeah, it's I, a great I, chimichanga I tend to, to like vaginas. I don't want one on my eye. <laughs> There are many medical reasons why that's a good idea. Craig. I can't open my eyes underwater, let alone on a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the episode title. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Screech, let's get this back on track, guys. Come on. Uh, have you got any more stuff you would like to talk about pop culture-wise? I could still do my Hateful Eight ramblings, if you like. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on. That's what we'd started talking about, wasn't it? Ahem, I am the worst host. <laughs> Hostess. I am having a lovely hostess. time, for the record. Oh, yes, good. me too. Oh, good. Off the record, this is so bad. Just the worst. <laughs> oh, it's just the absolute worst. Even I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, well, you don't have to put it up, at least. You can just be like, ah, this is crap. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of my hands. So, Hateful Eight, I totally get why you thought the intro was totally boring. So did I. Mm -hmm. Basically, do you know about how he recorded it on 70mm film? No. I tend to not pay attention to Tarantino because I think he's a bit of a tit. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) The first half of this movie seemed very circle jerky to me. I'm a 
giant fan of Quentin Tarantino, so I am going to be a little biased here because mm-hmm. I am a total fanboy. It's okay that you're not. I'm totally, totally fine with that. As far as the intro goes, basically, 70mm is an old film style. It's much larger, and it's much wider. Basically, it was shot the same way that they shot huge epics like Ben-Hur back in the day. Um, and they also used that... Le- and they, they used... I mean, the exact... They used the same lens that they shot Ben-Hur with. Like, not a replica, not another one. Like, the lens. There's only, like, two of them. And that's it. They're also used to record, like, huge, big landscapes. Like, if you're watching a documentary of the Grand Canyon back in, like, the the 60s, they'd probably shoot in this super wide format. So you get these crazy large vistas. So I think the opening was really kind of an homage to that where it was just these huge big sceneries and then at the same time it's kind of a nod to the spaghetti western because he had the uh original score put in there what i like about hateful eight is when they get into the actual cabin the haberdashery so i i love stage shows my girlfriend natalie is crazy about them uh i was in them a lot in high school she still does them all the time now. We try to see like every single thing we can and get involved any way we can. And Hateful Eight, like it was almost almost an anti movie. They didn't really go in there with like a clear like beginning, middle, end. Like it the whole time, especially the first watch through, it's like, what the fuck is even happening? Where is the movie? Exactly. And unfortunately, you don't realize that it is an actual movie until like three quarters of the way in when shit starts to go down. Yeah. But basically, they trap these nine dudes in a cabin with a crazy wide angle lens with extreme close ups. And basically, the whole time, it's basically just like the characters being their characters and you as the audience trying to figure out who the hell are these people. And then you start realizing that, well, no, that guy's probably full of shit. And you start realizing, like, wow, everyone's full of shit. And it's just kind of layers on layers. One thing that I do did like about it is that, yeah, the name of the game in this movie is character development. Or it's a whodunit. Well, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, as far as characters, I haven't seen characters so well developed and natural, like in their in their speech with each other in a long time. This movie was. Just the way they interacted with each other was very fluid and very natural. But it did feel a little forced sometimes. It feels like when you're playing D&D and you go to the bar and like you're just waiting for the DM to be like, and this guy gives you a look. And you're like, I'm going to go talk to him. So, so there's literally a 40-minute section probably where one guy is going from one person to another in the cabin and just having a conversation with him, which feels a little forced. But the conversations they have are very nice, uh, very, very real. See- I think the reason you think it feels forced, and I'm not saying that's the wrong opinion to have, the way it's set up is extremely intimate. Yeah. During the whole time, you should feel a little bit uncomfortable with it. Like, something's not quite right. Because there's eight strangers, <clears throat> or nine strangers. I don't, think, I don't think that's it. I think it's because it is shot in such a extremely wide format. To me... The reason I another reason I say it's like a stage show is that I almost feel like I'm in there with them. Like I don't know what the hell this guy's going to do and that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I think I don't feel like it was actually forced. I feel like their motivations once you realize their backstory is so clear that 
they responded just very truthfully. So you're talking about Kurt Russell going around and just asking who everyone is. Yeah, like, who the hell are you? Like, yeah. He basically... And everyone's minding their own business. Im- imagine you got trapped in a den of thieves and you had a bar of gold worth a million dollars. Yeah, it makes sense. And he's trying to, like, vet people. I get that. But there, other people do it, too. It's his literal one motivate. Well, then you find out everyone has, like, one motivation. Yeah. Just at first, it feels very forced. That's what I'm saying. But regardless, people are very... The characters themselves are very... Is that bit pre the cabin type part? No. Is it is it necessary that it should be that long? Because the the thing for me is a lot of people have tried to sell me on, like, a completely different example, but, like... Agents of Shield in the in the sense of saying, oh, but series two is really good, but you have to watch series one for it to make sense. But series one is shit though. But series two, and I'm thinking, well, why do I want to put all my time and effort into that yeah. Yeah. when it only gets good halfway? Totally Parks um, and Rec is the same thing, but you can skip season one. I think season one of Parks and Rec is great. <laughs> I disagree. Fight, fight, fight. No, what? <laughs> well, I would even say with Hateful Eight, I'm not even really trying to sell it to you. He just has this vision that it's, which I kind of agree with. It, it just it yeah, feels it's, like a stage it's play. It's the movie that I wanted. Like, I, I <laughs> it feels super hipstery, but like, I kind of want to be challenged when I watch something. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not challenged a little bit, I, I get really bored with it. I like it because it was so different, I suppose. Um, to be fair, it did really hold Casey's attention. Well, even if she thought it was a little boring, she, she didn't get up 10 times like she normally does. For how they utilize literally two different sets for the entire movie, I'm I'm pretty blown away by it. I've watched it twice. Um, Natalie felt the same way, but she she doesn't like the ultraviolence. Um, I don't even think it's that ultraviolent. Oh, it is. <laughs> well, oh, it is. There's there's blood, so much blood, like everywhere in that movie, and sure, it makes no sense that dude. anyone has that it's, much. It's more violent <laughs> okay. than Kill Bill. Well, I think what here's the thing. When there's I, less of it. When I think ultraviolent, I think like super like um not normally violent in a violent in a way that doesn't make sense but when you shoot someone in the head with a ba- double barrel shotgun their head's gonna explode that but they're not gonna fly back against the wall dude fly back against the wall it's not a big deal it's i'm talking about in kill bill someone's arm gets cut off and it sprays a gallon of blood at high velocity there's none of that in this one. Oh, absolutely there is when how about the the vomiting blood well that's from poison there could legitimately be a poison that Makes you vomit blood. It it's. I think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree. <laughs> That's fair. It's absolutely ultra violent. It is violent. It's it, ultra it's violent. It's gory and, I think and you're violent. Wrong. It's gory and violent. But I think it's more realistic it's than Kill Bill. Violence. Way over the top. <laughs> hi, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Stacy says hi. I also waved and then forgot that I, you can't see me. We can't no. see you, so. Stacy. <laughs> she can see. You from Turn the on your webcam, too. you weirdo. I don't want to. I've got well, a face for radio. Totally fine. I am wearing a Ninja Turtles jumper, though. God nice. I'm wearing my sort of uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night shirt. Mm. Actually, I was going to ask you guys, because I know you're probably more into video games than I am, about your feelings on the Nintendo Switch uh, and all the footage and whatnot that's just come out. I have a Wii U that I uh, acquired semi-recently. And I'm going to use that to play the new Zelda game on it because that's the only game uh, that I'm really interested in playing. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I or don't know whether Switch. I'm gonna I don't know whether I'm gonna invest in a Switch straight away because the only games I think I ever play Nintendo wise now are Zeldas and Marios, yeah. uh, and the new Mario looks hella weird. Like, um, 
there was a trailer for it that came out where he's walking around in a town that seems to have a lot of actual humans in it. Yeah. And then it got me all up in my own head about whether or not... Was, it was New Donk City, I think it was called, which is it makes zero sense. Yeah. But I didn't like the fact that that kind of then calls into account, is Mario like deformed a real in some way? Person. Yeah. Is he not a human? Because he doesn't look like any of these other humans that are knocking around New Donk City. New Donk City. New Donk I City. Donk- I guess it's Donkey Kong related, but to me, Donk just means, you know, like, a your butt. No, your bum. Like, you know when people say they've got, like, badonkadonk and stuff? Oh, I didn't realize like, that's it was what a, I'm a singular of the badonkadonk was a donk. Well, don't people say things like put a donk on it? I'm not sure what that means. Though. No, I've never heard anyone say that. You're making <laughs> Rich, that Rich, what does put a donk on it mean? <laughs> it's a noise, apparently. I don't know. okay well well. i i think that game looks fun even if it's weird looking i think it looks fun Mm. but i wouldn't buy a switch for one game well Mm. that correction game i would buy a switch (laughs) for the zelda because that looks great but i have it on but i can play it on the wii u and it's probably going to be better on the wii u See, this is the thing. I don't have a Wii U. We had a whole situation a couple of years ago where we were trying to get a Wii U and then we didn't and then we got cross about it and gave up. (laughs) So I I feel like I probably should get a Switch, but I I probably am only going to play Zelda on it and I probably won't even complete it because I'm rubbish. I still haven't completed Ocarina of Time, guys. That's okay. It's a, it's a big game. game. Yeah. You should do it. Yeah. I keep getting stuck in the water temple because I can't be asked to keep going around and raising and lowering the water. Yeah, that's yeah, well, that, that kind of have to. I like the water level. I think it's a brilliant it's a puzzle dungeon. It is a good dungeon, but they designed it with one fatal flaw. What? If you use a key in the wrong order, which is That's actually a myth. I've had to restart my game. You missed a room then. Well, now I'm just pissed. Yeah. <laughs> That's is, a myth? Are you sure? Yeah. It is It is extremely difficult. I'm not saying it's the best, but I, I love the mechanic of raising the water and where you're, you're literally changing. It's like the dungeon is small and you have kind of like this overworld part of the dungeon. And then you physically manipulate it. I think that's and, pretty cool. And actually. it's one of the most fun bosses. Ah. You once like you, once you learn the trick, it's pretty dumb. He, it's Shadow Link. Oh, that's a oh. mini boss. Oh, I guess he's the mini boss. Yeah, sorry, best mini boss. And I, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like him as the mini boss because all you do is spam a uh, circle attack until you win. Ah, see, I tried. I like just having a legit sword fight that just takes nine forever. Hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that, and then you'll probably you have to restart the game because he'll probably kill you the first time after the nine hours of agonizing one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's why I like fighting the the Dark Knuckles, because they're actually fun AI. It's true. Until you learn how to go around that, and then it's stupid easy, because you just crouch, and they can't hit you. <laughs> as far as the Switch goes, as far as Mario goes, I have, I would say that it looks like the what people are calling the, the Mario swag movement is back, where instead of just like jumping three times, you have a lot of control of all the different moves you can do and like cancels. So I think it looks fun to play. And I'm really more excited to watch people that are really good at those games play it instead of <laughs> myself because um, I can't be bothered. We were talking about the Switch. Yeah, yesterday or the day before. In a lot of detail. And uh, we were talking about how I don't really think I'll use the portable functionality. I'm just going to have it plugged into a TV at all the time. I might use it as a handheld once in a while, if we want to watch something in the background while I'm playing on my handheld, but really, I have my phone, I have my Game Boy or my uh, 3DS. 
And those are all higher Pokemon. resolution, by the way. Exactly. There's not a Pokemon game on there, so I'm not going to probably get it for that. Not yet. There might be. Yeah. I guess not announced, though. Not announced. That'd be a ways announced. off. So I'm probably I'm not gonna get it right away. And the controllers you were telling me, Cranston, that they're like eighty bucks eighty dollars for a pair. Yeah, that's kind of a lot. They're very sophisticated, which is cool. But that is a large that's investment. A steep price. You're paying three hundred dollars for the console to have to drop mm-hmm. another eighty bucks if to you have want a second players, set. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. It is. It is. I mean, it comes for with a lot for two hundred, but not enough. Or 300, but not enough. What I would really like is for somebody I know to get one first so that I can play on it and then decide whether or not it's, <laughs> it's going to be worth me getting. Sure. Because the other problem with it is, is that those those controllers don't look very ergonomic to me. They're very square. And tiny. Um, yeah, and I remember like I tried to play a game on the NES quite recently and uh, I'd forgotten how tiny and rectangular Yeah. Those those shitty controllers were. Yeah, they dug like the corners were digging like little nightmares into my palms. Yeah. So I mean, I suppose at least the Switch ones are a bit more rounded, but they don't look comfortable. And yeah. this is me being a pessimist, but like on the Joy Cons, on the inside of each one, there's like the the docking part where it actually goes onto the Switch handheld. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? And I mm-hmm. feel like if I'm turning that sideways and I'm just playing, it's gonna like get snagged on my shirt and stuff. Uh, it goes. Issues. It goes the other way though. So the dock part is up because there's two uh, little shoulder buttons on there. both jo- Joy Cons. Yeah. Oh, I thought one had a Joy. I thought the way that I looked at it, one, the left side had the button <laughs> like this when it's docked. So when you undocked it, that button would be against your chest, and then the the docking then the docking part would be up. Is that what you're saying? So it works in two different orientations. You've got the normal way, which you just hold it like normal controller, essentially, but in two separate hands. When you undock it for like multiplayer, like let's say we were both going to play an old classic game. Yeah. You rotate it. The docking feature is on the top and there's two little shoulder buttons there. Oh, I didn't see those shoulder buttons. And then you have the four buttons and then the joystick. So they're really the same controller, just kind of mirrored. All right. So that actually seems okay, though I will say, like Stacy was, well, I guess I said it was small, but it seems like it's an awkward shaped, seems like it's it's not quite ergonomic enough. Yeah. Um, I am excited. So I'm a huge fan of uh, Rumble. I think that's cool. Some people, it takes them out of the game. I feel like it gets me more immersed. Supposedly, these guys have HD Rumble, and unfortunately... You can't really demonstrate how good that is on a screen. Yeah. Um, I like how... It, or through podcasts. Or through podcasts. So to demonstrate it, he's like holding the controller and then he like shakes it and then a picture of a glass with an ice cube in it shakes it. He's like, oh, like, oh, yeah. It feels so real. It feels like I can tell there's one ice cube. I'm like, that's great, but I have no way to I know what that... You. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe... If that's the case, that's cool. But there's a, and then they're like, like now you know how three ice cubes feel. I'm like, still don't, still don't know what that's like. <laughs> still don't understand. See, I didn't have a Wii U. How much better were the controls on the? Because the thing that concerns me about the Switch as well is that I fell out with my net, uh, my Wii almost immediately because any game that wasn't like bowling 
was either not sensitive enough with the way that you moved the nunchuck and stuff so you had to literally flail all around your house and punch all your relatives or it was so sensitive that like you only had to you barely had to move and all of a sudden you jumped in a lake and you're like oh shit how did that happen they did improve that um when the wii u came out they came out with the i think it's called wii motion Motion plus Plus, um Mm -hmm. and there's two ways they had one where you can plug it into the bottom of your old wiimote or you can get the new ones so I feel like it's better. I don't like motion controls. Just like you said, mm-hmm. unless I'm playing bowling, I'm not really interested. I want to relax when I play video games. Like I want to chill on the couch and have like one controller with all the buttons super handy. So they do have the pro controllers, which is cool, which works on for the Switch, you mean? And the Wii U. Oh. And the Wii, yeah. But man, you totally I totally don't know what I was Sorry, you're talking about the pro controller. <laughs> I don't like motion controls. He doesn't like That's motion basically controls. it. If, Stacey, if you he force, doesn't like it. If you force me to use motion controls, I'm going to tell you to fuck off. It's the <laughs> sa- that's the same reason why I got uh, Twilight Princess for the GameCube. Because mm-hmm. fuck doing this to Pretty slash. Much. For the listener, he's doing an, a sort of sideways wanking motion. and I'm badly no, jerking off something. If you had a really curved phallus. <laughs> On that note, I think we've come to about the, the end of the show, unfortunately. Aww. Stop wanking into Cranston's face. All right. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. No, Stacy. Oh. <laughs> You're never allowed um, in my house again. <laughs> do, do you want to tell people where they can find you guys on the interwebs? Uh, sure thing. Were you going to finish anything else after that? Ooh, no, I'm drinking sip tea. Sip of your crush? Oh, tea. No, this is tea now. I'm, I'm British, aren't I? So I have to Mango tea crush At least tea. once an uh, hour. <laughs> Tea's uh, great. Or else you lose your British powers. Yep. <laughs> The uh the easiest place to find us is on Twitter. We're at Turtle Power Pod. I'm usually on there all the time and uh trying to do funny things. Or I'll talk to you and say funny things, or maybe I'll just shit on everything. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh way to sell yourself. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh <laughs> but uh but really just uh yeah, check out Turtle Power Pod. That's basically our go to. I don't know what I'm saying. Let me start over. You can just <laughs> Google us if you want. Just type in Turtle Power Pod and check us out. We're probably the first. We are. Thing. I che- I'm the neurotic one that checks that crap. And I'm on Twitter all the time, at Turtle Power Pod. I did a thumbs up, but you guys couldn't see it. Not- um- <laughs> and if you're funny, I'll read your shit on our show. Why does my shit never get read on your show? Because you send it in a private message, and I feel like that's weird. Plus, we say oh, a lot no. of nasty things to each other. Just really yeah, gross. Yeah, we do. Really disgusting. Yeah. So gross. I don't want to encourage people to think that they can DM me for gross content. <laughs> If you want to find me on the internet, you can find me at Stacey's, shut up, at Stacey's Parlor on Twitter, Stacey's Parlor at gmail.com for the emails, and Stacey's Pop Culture Parlor on Facebook for the group. I have closed the internet shop because nobody bought anything, so so no one cares about this announcement really either, but oh well. Could probably reopen it later. It wasn't a very good shop, to be fair. It was a, 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 I don't know what I'm doing with the internet. You guys know this, at, based on everything that's happened prior to the recording of this episode. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not good on the internet. So those are the places you can find me. And lovely listeners, I will see you next month. Ta-ra! Bye. Thanks for having us. Oh, shit, yeah, I should have said that to you, shouldn't I? Hey, thanks for coming on to the show. <laughs> it's been really nice. <laughs> I'm sorry I've been really weird. I'm so tired. Nah, you're fine. You've been great. You have been great. Thanks. I'm going to edit that so that I sound smashing.
host, I am back to talk about the season 3 finale of Bojack Horseman. Now, fair warning, there is absolutely no way that I can get through this without spoiling pretty much everything that happens in the episode. So if you haven't seen it and you plan to see it, please don't listen to this bit, just skip to the end because I don't want to ruin it for you. But the reason I'm so keen on talking about it, this episode, is just because my feelings about it are quite on the surface because I watched it quite recently and um, I'm quite... I'm on a bit of a buzz about it actually, so I just wanted to <laughs> wanted to get all this stuff out before it sort of peters off into a, you know, <laughs> by the next episode. So there are three big things really that happen in the finale, all of which are very worth talking about, but there was one that was particularly pertinent to me. The first thing, and probably the biggest thing, was the passing of Sarah Lynn after an overdose. Um, it's a big deal because of how, obviously, a character's death is always a big deal, but it's also how it affects Bojack and what happens to him at the end of the series. The second thing was a much more upbeat thing, which was the payoff to a season-long joke about spaghetti strainers that, to be honest, I didn't see coming because it's weird as fuck, but it is so hilarious. But it was the third thing that was possibly the smaller thing that actually was the biggest deal to me, which was uh, Todd Chavez, who is Bojack's sort of best friend, uh, housemate type person he sort of comes out as being asexual and to understand why this is a big deal to me I need to just sort of explain a little bit about my asexuality and, and how that's affected me as a person the biggest thing to note is that I didn't really well no I didn't know at all about asexuality and what it was and that I was in fact it uh, until about two or three years ago uh, and I'm 31 now so I was, I was quite you know late 20s when I when I realized and I don't think people realise how much of an effect that has on a person. Just realising what asexuality was and how much it applied to myself uh, when I was about 26, 27. It was like a massive weight came off my shoulders. Um, I've always suffered a bit with anxiety and paranoia and a, and a tiny bit of depression in there for good measure. But I honestly think I've not been as mentally healthy as I have been since I realised that about myself because it explains a lot of the way I think and feel about things and a lot of the way I re react to things and a lot of my behaviours. But just to sort of put it in, in perspective, when I was younger, obviously pretty much everything about the media tells you that people can't be around each other without wanting to bonk for longer than about 10 minutes. I got an, a little interesting idea in my head the other day about doing some research into the TV show Friends and I only did look into sort of series one but one of the one of the biggest things I found was the fact that not only do all of the friends have three or more either dates or sexual dalliances with a, with a person in series one, um, but they also have pretty much all at some stage either kissed or slept with or married one another. Uh, and bearing in mind Ross and Monica are brother and sister, that's that's quite a big deal. So yeah, so like the media and 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 everything tells you that. Uh, not only that, you know, uh, having sexual desires for other people is not just normal, but just like the done thing. Like, everybody's very sexually uh, charged. You know, there's this whole adage that sex sells and, and that's why it's all in music videos and advertisements and plays and TV shows and, and music and, and, you know, just like it's in every facet of, of everyday life. And on top of that, you know, on top of all this sort of stuff bombarding you from elsewhere. Also within your own life, you know, you see friends and family, you know, going on dates, having sex, having babies, getting married, 
all that sort of thing. And so if you sort of imagine when you're about between the ages of 14 and 16, you know, when I was that young, I was at a girls' school and uh, and so there weren't boys around for me to to fancy or <laughs> what have you. But, you know, a lot of the girls that I was at school with would talk about famous people they fancied or, like, boys they knew from other schools or from down the road or from, like, friends of friends or whatever. And I always felt a bit... I always felt a bit out of place because I wasn't having those same thoughts and feelings. I mean, one of the, one of the best examples that I now realise was like my asexuality manifesting itself was um, the way I used to fantasise about famous people. Because if you'd have asked me back then, like, who's your favourite band? Who do you like? I'd say, oh, Ben from A1, tip top crush. But what I thought a crush was <laughs> and the, the sort of daydreams I would have about, you know, Ben from A1 or, you know, insert celebrity of the time here would be more things like having a really fun day out, going bowling and going to the cinema and then maybe holding hands, walking down a beach. And that would pretty much be as far as that went. And so, like, especially when I was leaving school and I started work and I was more around guys, I realised that, like... I wasn't like everybody else. I didn't think in the same way that other people did. But unfortunately, because I didn't know that other people were having these thoughts and that there was actually sort of a word for it and that it's a real thing, I spent a lot of my time feeling uh, really like I didn't belong, out of place, kind of broken, both mentally and biologically. I was like, you know, why don't my bits work? Why aren't I aroused by this, that and the other? And this manifested as well. There was a particular time that this really struck me, which was when I was having a really stressful time at work. Um, This was a few years ago now. I was having a really stressful time at work. I wasn't having fun there. Um, I was dating my now hubby at the time. But I kept, because of all the anxiety I was having at work and the stress at work, and on top of that, I was internalising all these thoughts about how weird and broken I was and, you know, why do I want to spend my life with this man but I don't want to sleep with him? Like, what's that about? Am I mental is my reproductive system broken like these thoughts were coming out in these horrible anxiety nightmares and all sorts of stuff and it was just like a big fat paranoid mess and bearing in mind this was probably about a good 10 12 years of my life that I spent thinking that I was a mess and so uh, I went to a counsellor for the work-related stress and she suggested I see a doctor about the fact that I hadn't had a libido basically and when I saw my doctor I did that stupid thing of googling it beforehand like oh are there medical reasons for this and then found out that pretty much anything from a hormone imbalance to like a brain tumour can cause it. Totally panicked. And I went to my doctor and I said you know this is what's happening. Am I about to have brain surgery because I've got a whacking great tumour in there? And she said Stace I think if you've been having these feelings for like 10-12 years now and you've had no other symptoms I'm pretty sure it's just asexuality and you need to like calm your shit. So I went home and I looked it up and I've never felt more comfortable in myself than immediately after reading. Um, I went to a forum, I think it's just called asexuality.org. It's the Asexual Visibility and Education Network. And just reading other people's stories and, and, um, you know, seeing that other people felt the same way I did was like a massive deal. Because all of a sudden I realised that I wasn't like this sort of misshapen, you know, accidental genetic mess. (laughs) that actually everything I was feeling was valid and it was a real thing and, um, you know, I didn't need a surgery or a cure. And it was a big deal for me. And and since then, I've sort of been noticing how my reactions to certain things in the media make more sense. Like, I've never liked a sex scene in a movie. Like, even 
even if it actually seems sort of integral to the plot, I still don't particularly like to see it and stuff, and a lot of that makes more sense. But one of the things that does get me down quite a lot is the fact that, you know, it took me it took me a trip to a counsellor and then a doctor to realise that asexuality was a thing because it's so completely underrepresented. And so to have Todd not only sort of come out to his friend in a way that sort of suggests he doesn't fully understand his own feelings and that he's trying to figure out what's going on as well, but also to have his friend Emily sort of reinforce it as like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, I don't even know how to explain how it, how important it was for me to see that on the screen. Um, I didn't realise that I needed it, um, but as soon as it had happened, it was like, oh shit, like, this is, this is legitimately a real, sorry, I'm, <laughs> kind of welling up I'm getting a bit emotional um it just felt so <sighs> it was a really powerful moment for me um you know I mean I've been really lucky in that I've got really supportive friends and family nobody's judged me for the fact that you know I'm not going to be popping out grandkids for my mom and I'm not <laughs> you know I'm not going to be um you know because <sighs> you just everybody sees being sexual as completely normal um and i so i expected that other people thought it was this like bizarre thing and that i was weird and i think i suppose i was projecting the feelings that i had about myself for a really long time onto other people and to just see that the writers of this show like care about representation and and it you know it's such an underrepresented thing i can't think of anyone other explicitly asexual character there are a couple that people sort of mill around like oh you know could be might not be and it was just it was the way it was done as well because he's he's talking to his friend emily and she basically says you know sometimes i think you like me and sometimes i think you don't like me and then i think you like me again and like what's happening are you gay what's going on and he just replies you know i don't, I don't you know i'm not gay i don't think i am but i don't think i'm straight either i think i might be nothing and it was just like my mind just got absolutely blown it was i just, like i said i, just, I didn't realize how much i needed to see something like that on the screen and like i say emily's reaction was great because it wasn't like oh what the fuck are you talking about and it wasn't like oh well all i'm hearing is that i'm too fat like it was a it was a perfect like okay that's great good stuff reaction that like i just oh and i think Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go in series four with it because I think it's a really good opportunity to, to represent something that that doesn't get representation elsewhere. I'm gonna stop rambling now because I am seriously getting really emotional. But yeah, thumbs up for BoJack Horseman. Top tits. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, sherry, and we provide the rest. Soup du jour, hot hors d'oeuvre, why, we only live to serve. Try the grey stuff, it's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. They can sing, they can dance. After all, miss, this is France. And a dinner here is never second best. Go on, unfold your menu, take a glance, and then you'll be our guest. We our guest, be our guest. 
Beef ragout, cheese souffle, pie and pudding on flambé. We'll prepare and serve with flair a culinary cabaret. You're alone and you're scared, but the banquet's all prepared. No one's gloomy or complaining while the flatware's entertaining. We tell jokes, I do tricks with my fellow candlesticks. Put it all in perfect taste that you can bear. Come on and lift your glass, you've won your own free pass to be our guest. If you're stressed, it's fine dining we suggest. Be our guest, be our guest, be our guest. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. Ah, those good old days when we were useful. Suddenly those good old days are gone. Oh. Ten years we've been rusting, needing so much more than dusting, needing exercise, a chance to use our skills. Most days we just lay around the castle. Flabby, fat, and lazy, you walked in and oops, a daisy. It's a guest, it's a guest, sakes alive, and I'll be blessed. Why's the 